Like, I mean, it was launch and get booked immediately. Like, yeah. like our first three months were just boom, boom, boom. Because January, February, March are the hottest heat months yeah. in Scottsdale. Spring break, spring training, yeah. waste management, golf tournament, Eric Jackson auto show, like just flew off the market, right? Then we launched two in the summer there in July. Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. I'm excited today. I met this gentleman a couple of weeks ago at a local mastermind group, a real estate, for the most part, a mastermind group. We go in and we talk about our credit business and real estate. But what is so amazing behind mastermind groups is you're really getting pulled into high-level individuals that want something bigger, want something more and are determined to get there and know that they're not the smartest guy in the room. So they're willing to get around other high-level individuals to think outside the box and really be able to not just pour into others, but be able to soak in and be able to get some true transformation. That's what we've always seen. And we've always got an ROI. That's why we're big believers in investing in ourselves. And so a couple of weeks ago, I met Quad, and it was amazing because he's from Detroit, but he's investing long distance here and we invest long distance as well doing long-term rentals but this guy is very smart because he's doing short-term rentals over in arizona as well as california and they're popular markets right so it's very lucrative but he's doing it long distance and he's got some awesome goals looking to acquire 50 properties in the next couple of years in the next three years and take an exit with a 30 percent increase on that. So very inspiring. But he left his corporate job just in 2019, right? A lot of people might be in corporate right now or getting laid off from corporate, right? There's a lot of people in the tech space right now and and you know, probably many more to come in the next few years when it comes down to this recession and what's going on. So that might not have the education or the confidence to be able to naturally just like leave on their own. So this guy's been able to do it. But what I can encourage you is if you are on the fence of leaving corporate or or really start to jump into this thing we call real estate, then I encourage you to get the education, dive into podcasts like this, books, you know, YouTube, and eliminate that fear. You know, the more confidence you're getting, the the more the fear will just start taking away, and then you can deep dive into this stuff. So really excited to have you on to say the very least, brother. But how's everything going today, man? Awesome, man. Beautiful day. You know, it's, uh, we got mid 50s in Detroit on December 15th. So nice day. I've been, I'm, writing a, I'm writing a chapter. So I'm going to be featured in a book here coming up and I can't really spill the beans yet. But I'm, that's what I've been focused on today. I started it this morning. It's due tomorrow. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Life of a real estate investor, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's me right there. I love that. Wad, tell me, anybody out there that doesn't know exactly who you are, where you're from, do you mind just diving in that 30,000 foot view? No doubt. Fouad Bazzi, I'm in Detroit, Michigan, corporate banker for 21 years. Mm. Just an amazing job and career path that I had built up. But the reality was it, it wasn't mine. It was a job. And so I knew that at some point we had a goal that, you know, my wife is an attorney and our goal was let's get to debt free. And when we get to debt free, we could stop relying on my W-2. She had her own firm she was building. And then we could get, I could get really entrepreneurial. I was traveling 10 to 15 weeks out of the year and we got mm. three little kids. So I was missing a lot of that. And so the idea was let's create our own path. So 2019, left corporate, started a coffee shop with a kid's play place, got some long term rentals. And I'll tell you, my strength is I'm not a prideful person. I will tell you when I'm not good at something. Like that is the one thing I think people try way too hard to improve their weaknesses. And it's like, let those go. You got to like right away. 
yeah fuel the strikes like put fuel on that let that fire burn really strong and so i knew i wasn't a good landlord in long-term rentals because you know you call me saying hey i can't make payments and i've got little kids no kids sleeping on the streets on my watch just not happening right yeah stay as long as you need to get your feet under you don't worry about it now i'm losing money yeah Uh, so i got out of long-term rentals a lot of other reasons and we'll dive into that why i got into short-term rentals but you know, I still get to mash my my passion for real estate investing with also running my own business and building my own brand, which I really just love to do. And we can do that in terms of rentals. So that's where we are now. I love it. So you started a was it a daycare or coffee shop? It was a, it was a coffee shop. Yeah. With a kids play place. But, you know, and you'll hear this in my in my conversation today. Like I'm so passionate about kids and pouring yeah. into kids and leveling up the kids, right? Yeah. So our shop had like a, a dentist shop, a fire station, a mail station, all these exhibits where they could go into those exhibits. They could dress like that trade and then just kind of run around in the city. It's called Detroit Kids City. Yeah. So the front of it was the coffee shop. We roasted coffee. We helped serve healthy snacks and. Parents could remote work, do whatever they need to, but we also hosted field trips and birthday parties. We partnered with autistic centers locally to give back to that community and, and allow a place for kids' creativity to just kind of run wild. It's just a, it was just a great, but you know, COVID punched us in the face. We had a landlord that wasn't relenting on rent while we were earning zero revenue and the state was on total lockdown. So we knew we had to pivot. We made a settlement, got out of that lease agreement and knew that we wanted to be our own landlords. So yeah. Yeah, I love it. So prior, you were doing banking. What kind of banking space were you in? Sure. So I started on retail first seven or eight years was in retail, got into treasury management where we supported small to mid-sized businesses with all kinds of electronic tools and abilities to transmit files and remote deposit capture, all these other things. And then I got into kind of a suedo bank consulting role. It's called Correspondent Banking, where we basically banked banks and we got those banks to utilize our infrastructure. We competed with the Federal Reserve to act as a clearinghouse. We would lend money back to the holding company so they could do merger and acquisition activity and buy out shareholders. Um, and then we also supported them with with other uh, the treasury management tools that allowed them, you know, those community banks to operate. I love it. And so why real estate? So Robert Kiyosaki. You know, you mentioned books. So I dove into Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is the obvious first fundamental book of that. My yeah. favorite Kiyosaki book is the Cash Flow Quadrant, right? So it really yeah. breaks down and allows you to kind of do, you know, one of our mentors is Ken Clothier, right? And he always yeah. talks about start with the end in mind. And so using the Cash Flow Quadrant, you really, you know, I'll, I'll give a real quick summary here is you've got the, you know, you got your quadrant, you've got the E, the S, the B, and the I, right? The E is you're an employee. The S, you're the you're the you're you're self-employed, whereas you basically you you still got job. You've created a job for yourself, but now it's your company, it's your business. The B is the business where you've essentially scaled your company large enough you can fire yourself and just focus on working on the business, not in the business. And then the I is the investment, right? And the idea here is you can operate in some of them, all of them. You know, you just got to pick your thing. So for me, what I love about Real estate, and what I'm doing is I can, with real estate investing, you cover that eye that's building that generational wealth, which yeah. eventually allows you to have to scale back and become really passive. And then operating my short term rental business on top of it. Right now, I'm in that S category where I'm pretty hands on. I'm the self employed on top of my eye, but eventually I'll hire somebody to run it for me where then I have B over an I. And this is very akin to the McDonald's model, right? If you haven't, you know, watch the founder movie, but what is McDonald's? I mean, I can make a better burger than McDonald's. I'm pretty sure you can, audience can here today, right? But their idea is they've got a great business process that they put on real expensive real estate and they use that business process to cash flow their assets so that their assets become paid for and free. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I mean, once I saw, I read it in books as well, but once I saw the movie and the process with the founder that it is all real estate, right? It's it's really buying the location and having such a high traffic area that it's a no-brainer. You put the systems in place and you got something consistent and exactly the same every single time and something that's affordable, then you're going to have people left and right. So they're the seventh largest real estate portfolio in the world. Seven. Seven. Wow. The burger burger store, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's mind blowing just to think about. Jeez. So talk to me when it comes down to the real estate portfolio currently, first off, 
why out of Detroit? Why out of like your backyard, right? So family is everything to us. I can walk to my parents' house. Yeah. In five minutes, we can be at my wife's parents' house. We've got her sisters, her brother right here. My my sister's a little further away, but it's really important to us to be really close to family. My wife's law firm is here. So, you know, this is home base. This is where it's going to be. It's not my choice, but, you know, I know if I spend enough time away from my family, I know that I just want to be back regardless of where I am. So that's, that's Detroit. Why I pick markets, I mean, there's multiple factors that go into how we started in Scottsdale and Huntington Beach. You know, really free data for everybody is a census data, right? Like where is the population growth happening now? Where is it happening for the next five to 10 years? When you have population growth, I mean, you just know appreciation is coming. It's yeah. going to follow. I mean, it's supply and demand because yep. everything comes back to supply and demand. So that was kind of like number one thing that attracted us to Scottsdale. Number two was we kind of looking at all the industry factors that were driving, you know, home prices there. Back-to-back years, Scottsdale has about the highest number of startup investments made in businesses mm. back-to-back years in the country. And so it's like, okay, so businesses are investing here. People are moving here. Those are like two scores, right? Yeah. Building the largest world, uh, largest in the world outdoor sports facility in Gilbert. Yeah. So that's going to drive traffic from a tourism perspective. Bachelorette party capital of the world, right? Not Vegas, but Scottsdale. Like, <laughs> totally blew my mind when I read that. <laughs> Fiesta Bowl every year, Barrett Jackson auction, auto show every year, waste management tournament every year, national championship game every four years, all these things, right? So you start to like really unpack what is in this market once you've checked the census data. And that drove us to saying Scottsdale is a place we needed to scale and scale quickly and own a lot of real estate because that appreciation arrow is going to continue to rise and rise and rise. Yeah. So, uh, so you're you're looking for job growth. You're looking for something unique that like businesses are going there. Just more growth in general yeah. that is naturally going to set you guys apart. Yeah. Tourism is pretty strong, but it can't be number one. So for instance, we were looking at Destin, Florida. We were looking at the 30A market in Destin, Florida. Really, really ritzy neighborhood and just like you know i mean you get there and you feel like you're in athens Greece. it's amazing it's gorgeous but what almost 90 percent of homes are there are people's second homes really wealthy people's sure. second home yep and what their strategy is is basically rent it out half the year break even on it yeah and then they're using it the other half of the year and so what i didn't like about that for me what i'm mean, capital preservation is going to be there but from a cash flow perspective, we were counting on just tourism. That's it. And so yeah. I don't want to fight a price for it. I'm not interested in that. I'm, I differentiate on quality, on our guest approach, on, our, on how we host people. And in 13 months, we've already got 13 rebookings. That's a big deal to me because you can get anybody to book one of your properties once, but to get people to book twice, when you know in America, the average family travels one time a year. And so that alone was just a huge feather in our cap in the way that we're hosting and the way that we're, you know, the approach that we're taking. Yeah. So I like to be in places that tourism is high, but it's not the number one and driving factor in that market. That's good. Is there a reason why you picked Airbnb versus like multifamily or flipping or wholesaling? So, you know, high level there is my favorite thing about real estate. All of those things work. So does Airbnb, yeah. so does Section 8, so does... You know, the idea is just get into real estate and then kind of figure out your path as you go. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's the addiction to guest experience. I mean, that goes yeah. back to my corporate world. I really love customer satisfaction. I love connecting with people and relationship building and really being part of people's journeys. I'm not a good landlord. I figured that out really, really yeah. So, you know, well, I, you know, eventually I'd love to have some multifamily in the portfolio. But right now I'm really hyper-focused on building this brand because I think you know, what's interesting about this is building a business on top of the investment, you're building two saleable entities, not just one. And that's that's attractive for me. That's good. Yeah. I always tell people like right when they're first getting started into real estate, do a little bit of due diligence, a little bit of education on what it looks like for each strategy from beginning to end, just 15, 30 minutes max to really understand, you know, what does all the moving pieces look like in a fix and flip, a wholesale, you know, notes, non-performing, performing performing. there. I mean, there's 30 plus different ways to make money in real estate, right? So do a little bit of due diligence on each one and see what you're gravitated towards. See what gets you excited. See what your time management, your relationships, your resources really allow um, to be able to deep dive into. And obviously it seems like you were gravitated towards 
the short-term rentals for for many different reasons, but really the customer satisfaction and, and the experience that people are going to have and just being able to over-deliver in that aspect. And something really cool about this is that it can be very damn profitable. So why yeah. not, right? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It's funny. I mean, I didn't, I didn't even tell the story yet. Why, you know, you, you asked why. I mean, we've always kind of had this itch for it. We've stayed in short-term rentals since we've had little kids. I mean, when we had our first son, he was four months old. We we're staying in a hotel room. And it's like, oh, cool, he's asleep in the car seat. It's like, hurry up and shut up because we can't talk now, right? Like, there's, yeah. no, driver, there's no nothing. Like, we got to keep him sleeping. So we knew right away we were going to start traveling with short-term rentals. And then we quickly learned one after another that the differentiating factors to go from a three-star to a five-star, they're not high. And it always yeah. blew my mind that the hosts wouldn't take that extra step. So like coffee is one of our core values. And we put a $3,000 Jura coffee machine in every one of our homes, whole bean grinder. We partner with all the local coffee roasters. We buy cases of coffee at discounted pricing from them because we tell them we're going to market you guys on our social media. We're going to market you in our homes, our guests. We're going to do all this stuff for you. So we want better pricing. We put that all in the home. They get high quality coffee. It's free to the extent that you're not paying for it when you're there, but it's built into our rates. It's built into our average daily rates, right? Yeah. And so like it's, you know, the experience that we're creating through that. But my daughter, who's now three, at one year old, we find out she's severely allergic to tree nuts. And we're in Detroit. The best food allergist in the world is in Long Beach, California. Does the blood work. We get her into the program. We learn that her blood work says it's going to take us every uh, four years being there every two months. And so I, I'm a banker, start doing the numbers. It's going to yeah. cost me 50K in rentals to be there for the next four years. We buy a house on Huntington Beach. We use it. We probably used it this year, eight weeks, I want to say. Yeah. And average, average rental there for a week is about 5K. Yeah. So do the math there. I've already saved that 50K of expenses. I've already okay. saved it in one year. Oh, I love it. I love yeah. it. And now all the, yeah, I mean, the profit that you're going to make and all the other benefits and advantages. Are you doing arbitrage on these or are you actually purchasing these and owning them? Yeah, and you can. I mean, that's a great point. So another way to get into it is arbitrage, where yeah. you're, you're renting someone's property and then you're subleasing and you're, you're transparent with the owner. This is exactly what we do. Then the owner says, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't want parties in my house. And you say, wait a minute, listen, I'm a professional. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to have parties. I'm going to manicure your property. I'm going to upkeep it for you. Yep. And you're going to get a little bit more. I'm going to pay you a little bit more than you would have asked on the, on the normal long-term rental rate, right? So that's ultimately, you know, why, why wouldn't somebody just do it themselves knowing that? Well, they don't want the headache of running the business. They have a job, they have a business, whatever it might be. So they lease it to you, you sublease it. You could also co-host. Yep. Co-hosting is basically... It's your property. Let me run it for you. I don't pay you anything up front. I don't take on any overhead. I don't have any payments to make to you. I run it for you. I get 25 or whatever percent of the gross rental income for the month, right? Now, with arbitrage and co-hosting, you don't get the advantages of the real estate. You don't get appreciation and equity build and tax depreciation. Yeah. So you're getting income. So for somebody that is entering the space and you know make the down payment that they want to make an investment property... Those are two great avenues to crawl, walk, run. They're also great avenues, even if, if you are able to, let's say you want to test a market. You're not sure about the market. You really like the market, but the data says maybe, maybe not. So you want to test it. Go arbitrage somebody's property. This way, you don't have to make a huge investment in the market. You can really try to like it. Then you can enter the market. So there are so many ways to enter the market. I'm all in on ownership for me. That's my model, simply because I am really focused on that I bucket. I'm a cash flow quadrant. We want to build generational wealth. That's so good. I love that example too of simply if you're not fully confident in the area yet, test it out, you know, test drive it, do yeah. a little bit of arbitrage in the beginning. It is a great way if you don't have all the finances to get started, if you only have a couple grand really, but you can sell yourself to the to the current investor, the owner that you can eliminate all risk, eliminate all fear, take full responsibility over, you know, the maintenance, damages and have insurance in place and so forth and really be the professional that they're looking for so that there aren't any crazy parties and stuff like that and make it profitable on both sides, um, then that's an incredible win-win situation. However, I am in the same category. Like I completely agree with having full control of things, especially if you jump into a business, like you want to have full control and not want somebody in between to potentially hold you back or say, yeah, you know, it was cool last month, but I've decided to stop now, right when you get things going or whatever it may be, you know, so 
there's tax advantages, there's cost seg, there, there's all these different things that you can do um, that can make it way more beneficial. So I, I do love that. You know, I'm not 100% sure about the laws and ordinance it, up in uh, Newport area. I know San Diego, they started getting a, like we had to do like a lottery ticket situation. Luckily, not enough submissions were put in versus how many were actually being offered from the city. So all of ours were in, we're registered, we're good to go. But what about you guys up there? Is there any pushback from the city and your particular areas in, in either locations? Yeah, so we make sure that first thing I'll start with there is we love regulation, right? I mean, regulation yeah. is necessary for those of us that are running this like a true business. Yep. It really does help us. It eliminates kind of the riffraff competition and allows that everybody is doing things the right way. And all the other hosts, we are now so willing to share with each other ideas and concepts and and and, and processes because we know we're all doing things the right way, right? Yes. So I'm a real advocate of the right amount of regulation. We are permitted. We only do things that way. Scottsdale is still kind of wide open. They just a couple months ago put out some more, added in some rules and into the regulation process. Okay. They're still kind of, they, while they've added them in and approved them, they're still asking us for feedback because they also want to get this right. What they don't yeah. want to do is hurt the market. They know that the majority of us that are doing it the right way, we pay our taxes, we manicure our properties, we care for things and we, and look, we're paying taxes, right? We are about and we're, we're, we're raising the value of our neighborhoods, yeah. right? So like yeah. this is, these are all win-win scenarios when done right. Huntington Beach is a little bit more of a pain. You have to have the right kind of home. If you don't have, you know, they've got to be owner-occupied and ADUs and, you know, all these other kinds of things that, that come along with their ordinances. So we're not going to scale that market just simply because how how hard it is to find the exact right kind of property. Yeah. But, I, you know, what, what you said about San Diego, I mean, I... I heard that too, where they didn't reach the maximum number of permits. And it's like, God, this is the perfect time to buy. The oh, risk yeah. there is if you buy right now and you don't close for 30 days, and when you close, are they full then, right? And yeah. so that's kind of the pros and cons of wanting to get into a market. But yeah, I mean, we, we love, we, 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 we look for ordinances and regulations that are mature and established because then we know what we're getting into and there are no surprises when we make the acquisition. That's good. Are you doing the birth strategy on these properties or are you so no value add, just good to go property so that you can rock and roll right away? Yeah, it's actually something that so we are going to add that philosophy and that strategy and where we buy those properties that we can immediately force some appreciation without yeah. control. Thing is, you know, I'm a banker, right? At my core, I'm a banker. I'm a finance guy. There's not a bone in my body that has the skill set of managing a project from Detroit to Scottsdale without the right partnership. Sure. And so what we've been doing to wait, and, and this is actually one of those things that I'm really proud of is in 12 months, four homes there, we've accumulated $2.4 million in appreciation. And the way we've done that, <laughs> buying turnkey properties is if we find a house, it, we draw a five block radius around that house. And I have my team, they go in and they look at every single home in that five block radius. And then we find out in that radius, where are we on an approximate ratio of remodeled homes array? And if there's less than 50%, if it's still a pretty distressed neighborhood, I'll buy the most expensive home in the neighborhood. I don't care because I'm setting the comp for the builder that does have the skill set and the capacity to go in and flip a bunch of homes. He's going to look at that, that radius now and he's going to say, look, that one just sold. So I can go buy five in that neighborhood. I can flip them and I've got the comp there to support my, my burst. That's good. So by bringing all that new money into that radius, he's raising my floor essentially. Yeah. And so we've used this model so that I don't have to deal with the headache of the project. I buy, I furnish, I design, and I have fun renting. Yeah. And I let everybody else bring the new money. But if in that radius, we're already greater than 50% remodeled, I won't touch it. Yeah. That's so good, man. And like, that's a different spin and a great way to look at it, honestly, to be able to kind of help out the real estate market in general. Plus, it still makes sense for you. like, And you're bringing up your floor really sooner than later, which is great. And then you can just do the same thing and keep multiplying. So obviously, certain, you know, anybody that's getting started into short-term rentals, do your due diligence when it comes down to the city, certain regulations, and have a strong pulse on that, of course. 
But, you know, like what you're doing right now is perfect because you're looking at markets that are up and coming, trending, and really going to get hit with a ton of appreciation in the near future. You've capitalized greatly already in it, which is awesome. Do you have plans to take out or, or utilize some of that equity so you can put to work and get more? Yeah, yeah we, we definitely want to. The, the interest rate hike, you know, kind of kind of put a little bit of thing because we, we have really good rates on a lot of them. Sure, so we're yeah. looking at some other private hard money lenders that'll give us second loans. And, you know, even if they're higher rates, I don't care if they're 10%, to be honest with you, because we're making 25 plus on, you know, percent wise. So if I can get a second position with a hard money lender, we'll take some of that money down. We'll go acquire, again, focusing on population growth and appreciation driven markets. We really like a couple markets in Texas right now. We will continue to scale Scottsdale because, you know, and you probably know this is, with three key factors to building a good team on the short-term rental side, we self-manage. We don't have a property management company yeah. managing for us. I love it. Cleaner, maintenance guy, and a property manager. My property manager has basically become my chief operating officer. I mean, she cares way more about the properties than, than I could have ever dreamed of yeah. being as far away from them. And she is all over it, right? My maintenance guy, he's my backbone. And what I've also learned is by scaling so quickly in one market, yep. I'm an important customer for them. Oh yeah, I mean, right. If you have one, you know that guy will lose you as a client all day long. You're so replaceable. You have five homes with one one you know team. You're 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 you 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 hold a little bit of, of strength there. So my cleaners take really good care of me. My maintenance guy Jeff is really a beast, and and my operations team. You have those three things in play. You know, scale those. Like get those guys to capacity. So we'll continue to scale those. We really love Seattle, Park City, Breckenridge. We're focused on experiences, right? So I've got the desert and the hiking. I've got the beach in Huntington, in Huntington. We'll continue to scale. We'll probably get into the San Diego market soon. We really want to get into a ski in and a ski out place. And again, population growth, Texas. I love it. Wad, talk to me about how you're getting some of the help here, like the cleaners, maintenance guy, and so forth. Uh, just research, man. I mean, yeah. really, you know, I want to make sure that I'm not their first short-term rental customer. I want to make sure they really understand this game. Yeah. My maintenance guy actually owns a short-term rental of his own. My property manager, she was actually, I hired her. She was on the design team that was designing the homes. So when I bought my first two in Scottsdale, she was super and uber familiar with them. She knew everything about those homes inside out more than I did. Yeah. All I did was walk through, fall in love and buy. She was like in there intricately getting it ready for me. And she's just become, you know, so much more than just, you know, property manager. And my cleaners, they've got a great team. They do short-term rental cleaning. They do hospital cleaning, multifamily cleaning. So they've got a multitude of experiences, yeah. which also then gives them a multitude of experiences on the type of guests that they're cleaning after, right? So they've got all kinds of experiences, things that I would never think of. So that's ultimately what I look for is, is just people that are, you know, I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I'm so far from it. I just got a vision and I'm finding people that are really, really smart in the trades that I need them to be in. I love that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I feel like we've had our ups and downs for sure with our Airbnbs and and finding, you know, good workers that last and not jump around or, or find other places where they're getting more and stuff like that. So I think really having backup plans, but also figuring out how to really make that culture extra special and keeping them busier than ever, right? Like once you have a team of people that are working around the clock on like five, six, 10 properties, then it really starts helping out because that's a big impact. They really have to find something you know, big to be able to leave you on something like that. Talk to me about some learning curves. You know, over the years doing this, what has been something that like just stands out the most that you're like, wow, I wish that didn't happen or we'll never make that mistake again. Or yeah. maybe if you could have redone it, you know, something that you might have pivoted on. Sure. Two things I'll tell you. So really cool lesson we learned. So the first two that we launched in Scottsdale were last December. Yeah. And when we launched those things... Like, I mean, it was launch and get booked immediately. Like, yep. like our first three months were just boom, boom, boom. Because January, February, March are the hottest heat months yeah. in Scottsdale. Spring break, spring training, yeah. waste management, golf tournament, Eric Jackson Auto Show, like just flew off the market, right? Then we launched two in the summer there in July. And it really tough timing because summertime is the hottest time of the year. 
Whereas sure. even most locals want to get the heck out of there. Yeah. It's like 120 and degrees. They're like, ow, you know, I'm burning, done. <laughs> burning, right. And so they got out and people are planning less in the fall because school starts and, you know, Christmas savings and all that other stuff. So we, we launched a little slower. Those summer homes launched a little slower. So timing your launch can really be a big deal in how much you need to go in with, with some reserves yeah. and how quickly you can start earning some revenue, right? So that's lesson one. Lesson two, so there's a scaling process to the pricing and how, how you want to do. So let's just use you know, $1,000 a night as an easy kind of example. Sure. Let's say that's your goal. I want to get to $1,000 a night at this house. Well, we, and that was a goal for us at this one home in Scottsdale. So we, we did is we launched last December, we launched at $749 a night. Because when we launch, you have zero reviews. So when somebody clicks on it, it's like, eh, you know, nice pictures, but is it for real? Are they real? There's just this stigma around our, you know, what is this thing? That's the stigma in a guest looking for a booking. Yeah. And so, yeah. If there's no reviews, it starts popping up a little skeptical. You know, yeah. I don't want to be the first guy. Yeah. Yeah. If it's so beautiful, beautiful, then why zero reviews? The obvious answer is it's new. Brand new. But yeah. for us, it was, okay, so let's launch it at 749 hmm. a night. And I opened up my calendar for 12 months. We booked like this. I mean, like every weekend in the spring was booked within four days, I want to say. Wow. At 7.50 a night. So retrospectively, what I would have done is launched maybe a month. Yeah. Don't give out the whole whole year. Yeah. Scale up 50 bucks. Yep. Get a few more reviews, a few more bookings, open up another month, get a few more, you know, so I would, I would have timed my release a little bit better. But all to say, I mean, it's great. And we've proven. So this coming spring, that same home, we all were at 1100 a night. And what nice. we did is we slowly increased that rate until the, and the market kept booking and booking and booking. And once we stopped getting bookings, it was like, okay, go back to that last one, right? Yeah. Like that last one was the butter. Like, let's do that. So those what are kind the, of, those the What kind of have. home do you have over here? Is this a, this is a big boy, huh? It's, you know, it's actually not a huge, it's four bedroom, three bathroom, but it's a really picturesque home. It's a really sexy home in pictures. It's gorgeous. It's very intimate and it's really wide open. So the living space is amazing. You've got a great room with a really long kitchen bar island with six bar, bar stools, two different table areas. And it's got the pocket doors that open what you know all the way up to the backyard so you're living indoor outdoor kind of thing okay. private pool we focus on privacy so like when we use the word private a lot of people use the word private as in like nobody else can use it but you yeah for us we take privacy to the extent nobody can see in the yard yeah so we make sure the hedges are tall everything is tall around the yard like this is your retreat this is your getaway and that's why we use the, the brand crescent retreats this yeah. is your retreat it is a gorgeous home. It's the kind of the white, gray, black model that we've all become accustomed to in the new modernized re- refinishes. And it's just, it's a beautiful home and we're doing really well with that one. Bro, have you had any like crazy horror stories though, or anything when, you know, y- you set up uh, a lot of privacy here? <laughs> we do a great job of due diligence. Yeah, we do, do a really good job of that. I have a 15 page rental agreement that if a guest is not willing to sign that agreement, I already know your intentions. Go find somewhere else to go, right? I know stuff is going to happen. Bad things happen and sure. accidents happen. I don't hold that against my guests. I've literally, we've had a couple of things break. I don't go back after my guests for that because mistakes, they happen. I'd, I'd much rather you like me and want to book with me again yeah. than me come after you for $200. Give me a five-star review and we're good, right? Let's roll. But our guest due diligence is really, really strong. But what I've learned, I'll take bachelorette parties all day long. Dude, men are animals. We are the worst. Bachelor <laughs> uh, parties scare the hell out of me. My, we, our pool wasn't heating. Our pool company comes out and does some diagnostics. They have to fish out an empty beer bottle from the filter. Ah, uh, like literally, right? Like why? I, I get your little, you know, tipsy, but why? Why yeah. would you do that? You know, so men are animals. Women still, even if they're having a really good time and get a little beyond themselves and their self control. They're still very caring and respectful. Yeah. Uh, I'm generalizing big time here. Sure. Bachelor parties scare the hell out of me. Yeah. I'd buck them all day long. I mean, it's just things that you learn. And what I would assume is that with the price point as well, you're probably getting somewhat of a higher clientele, I guess, that, you know, they're not going to be as much of a hot mess. But have you had like crazy parties or, or like, do you put up, 
cameras, noise detectors, noise detectors, ring cameras, and and all all disclosed, right? So the ring yep. cameras tell us like if I've got on the rental agreement, I got eight people coming in, but I got sixteen people walking in through the front door. It's like, wait a minute, guys, what are we no, doing? No, no, I'm on the call right away. Yep. Um, no horror stories. I mean, you're right. We are attracting the right kind of guests because of our presence. And and I'll tell you. When we went with luxury, you know, part of that is the price point and getting that kind of clientele. But the other thing that that I, I know and we all know is, you know, eventually, regardless of how good the times are, you're going to hit a recession. Yeah. And recessions don't hit that upper 1%, right? Yeah. Really wealthy. They're not impacted. And you know who tells us this? Again, not the smartest guy in the world. I'll rely on all those big money and institutional studious people yeah. to tell me. You look at the Ritz-Carlton, you look at the Four Seasons, they don't discount their pricing, even in a recession. Nope. They're, not set, they're not lowering their standard of travel, right? If you want our product, you're going to pay this, and we don't care what's happening in the economy. Yeah. Their clientele is always traveling. Yeah. So what I've done is I've essentially created a product that is marketing to that clientele, and it's essentially made me recession-proof. So when I'm in Airbnb, Facebook groups, and all that, and I hear, well, we're not booking, and we're not booking, we're not booking. We are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I you love know, that. So, yeah. Do you put like a minimum amount of stays on yours? Three nights. Three nights. Three nights, yep. And I, I think that there's something special behind that too, because originally when we, we made mistakes in the beginning by having, you know, you could do one night and two nights. And then those are the ones that constantly we kept on finding like people trying to throw parties and we could kind of spot it out before they got to it. And once we just changed that, made it three nights as well, that started changing it drastically because nobody's going to pay a high dollar amount for a minimum of three nights when they're really just trying to party one night. Yeah, no doubt. And, the, and you know, I, I always I have this conversation all the time. A hundred percent occupancy is not a good thing. I mean, yes, I agree. Would you imagine, right? Like yes. you would think that's what your goal is. No, the reality is what I found to be kind of the sweet spot. Give me seventy percent occupancy. And I want to be in that upper 20% of pricing. I want to be in yep. the top 20 percentile of pricing. That's good. I'd rather have that than 100% occupancy in the 60th percentile of pricing, right? Like, I don't want that. So we were having a conversation at, at the mastermind that, yeah. that, that I saw you had. There was another gentleman there that was boasting they're, they're in the top 20 percentile, top 21 percentile in pricing at 100% occupancy. I said, cool. Raise your pricing. Yeah, raise them up, man. be at the top 21%. I don't care. Raise yeah. your price. Yeah. You want, because... 100%, first of all, 100% occupancy is not sustainable. Mm -mm. And, if, and if you do sustain that, you, when you do have an issue, it's not going to be a small issue. It's probably going to be a big issue. Sure. I'm good. Like, I don't want that. This is still an investment that we're protecting at the end of the day. And I need to be able to get my guys in there, my team in there to get their hands on it, really feel it, touch it, fix it. I mean, so that's really important. Have you come to find when it comes down to like maintenance or just upkeep that it's typically more or less or about the same as kind of like a what you would anticipate on a, a long term? Yeah, well, long term, the nice thing is, you know, you're pretty hands off unless something is just broken, right? Sure. We, we haven't had a lot of maintenance kind of stuff. We've had some choice maintenance kind of stuff. Yeah. So like with one of them, we've learned, we learned that because we were hosting on average 14 people in that house, yeah, we needed a second set of washer and dryers. So that meant we had to run some electrical, we had to run, you know, we had to add another drain, do all this other kind of stuff. Of course. That was choice maintenance. But no, the maintenance on it has been pretty, pretty, you know, and we've got a really good schedule. We're very proactive. We don't wait to be reactive with our stuff. Yeah. So it's, Get some filters, you know, change our filters every quarter, change our, you know, we're, we're proactively looking at light bulbs or, you know, just, just doing all the normal stuff that you would do if it was a home you would live in. I love that. That's really good. And keeping that stuff organized and planning ahead, you know, that's, that's what it's about. So you can be proactive instead of reactive and then scrambling around and driving yourself crazy, right? Yep. Talk to me, is there any software systems, services, tech stuff that really helps the business grow, scale, systemize? Yeah. So like, it depends on who you talk to, right? Like I'm, sure. a total, I'm an industry contrarian when it comes to this. And I, I've talked to a lot of really experienced people that just don't agree with me. But, you know, talking about the tech stack, the tech stack is all the different softwares that an Airbnb business uses to, to help them. So you can have a property management software where you're integrating your your listings from Airbnb and VRBO into one platform, and then you can use that platform to message 
guests in both Airbnb and VRBO or booking.com or whatever else. You can have Price Labs, which is a dynamic pricing tool, which basically automatically adjusts your pricing to the market and supply and demand and holidays and events and all this other stuff. You can use... You I know, highly recommend that, by the way. If you're not using that right now, you, you definitely should because you're leaving money on the table and you're also... you know you could be missing out on certain things if you, you always just keep your price, you know, yeah, right especially there. if you don't know events are coming to town and all that. Right. But what I yeah. always advise people is Airbnb has a dynamic pricing tool built right in with it. Yeah. So here's kind of the, the hem in the hall is like, you're fighting the Airbnb and VRBO algorithm already just being listed on there. Right. Like you've sure. got to find ways to get to the top of their algorithm to be on page one. If you integrate with you know, property management software for, for starters. Now you have to fight that algorithm to be near the top of theirs, integrated with Airbnb fighting that algorithm as well. You're just adding more algorithm to fight. And we had we integrated pretty quickly. When we were at a third property, we integrated the PMS and the property management software. And we had terrible experience. We went from getting six inquiries a day to zero inquiries a day for three weeks. We had zero inquiries and we're launching, we're brand new. It's like, this is not good. And I was uh, very proactive. I was very communicative with them. Gave them a lot of opportunities to fix this and they couldn't get it fixed. I disintegrated with them. And I'm telling you, the next day we went right back up to six inquiries a day. Mm. So fighting algorithms on top of algorithms, I think there's a right time to do it. I think yeah. there's a right way to do it. But I tell you, we're at six properties and I still have not integrated with any of those tools. I use Airbnb and VRBO. You can link the calendar still with each other right through there. The only inefficiency I would say I have versus the, the common host that, that does use a PMAS is that I have to message my Airbnb guests in Airbnb and to message my VRBO guests in VRBO. Is that really a big deal? I mean, I don't know. People use messaging apps and WhatsApp too, yeah. right? So it's like, it's really not that big of a deal. It's just having notifications turned on and you're good to go. So I have fun, but I'll tell you what I do do. I've got a team of four virtual assistants in the Philippines yeah. that I utilize for all of my kind of what I call my low ROI, my return on investment tasks, right? Yeah. My time is valuable. And if I do it all, I can't search for more properties. I can't raise more capital. I can't do all these other things. Yeah. So what am I doing? I got, you know, we've got that. I told you about the rental agreement that we have signed. The other big one for me is the guidebook. When you go into an Airbnb and Hosts have that binder on the kitchen counter with all the information. It's like, cool, page one has ketchup on it, page two has syrup on it, page three has honey on it. Like, yeah. Like, just like, yeah, please, right? So we automate that as well. So, so when we get a booking, first thing I do, I see the booking, shoot a video, 10 second video. Hey, thanks for your booking. Here's what to expect. Can't wait to host you. Here's my cell phone number. Call me if you need me. Boom, text message that to the guest. That's made it sticky right away. That guest is no longer just out and uncomfortable and looking for another property anymore. Like they are locked in now. They know that I'm locked in. My my team will email them the rental agreement. They sign the rental agreement electronically. It comes back to my team. Once that's done, we send them the guidebook. The guidebook has the access codes, our bike lock codes, our house rules, our check-in orientation, our checkout rules, our favorite restaurants, golf courses, attractions, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah. That goes to them. They love that. And then we've got four other touch points with the guests before they check in. And then once they're checked out, we get a review from our cleaning team. My cleaning team sends my, my virtual assistants a review. And as long as that review passes, we're directly messaging them outside of Airbnb and outside of VRBO. We're messaging them, hey, save our number, give us a call, email us. If you ever want to book with us again at any one of our properties, here's where to find our properties. Here's your discount code. And we'd love to host you direct. It's going to save you money on the Airbnb fees. It's going to, you know, so we've got all kinds of back office stuff that's happening by my team. The average virtual assistant is about $4, $5 an hour. Mm. And they're incredible. They're capable, yeah. they're accountable. They're just, they're great teammates. I love that. I love how you give the discount code for anybody that left Yeah, and they were in good spirits, everything good. Are you encouraging them to leave reviews? Yeah, yeah. So we ask them, we beg them, yeah, not beg them, but we ask them really politely and we make sure that they're educated that those reviews are a key function of our business. And that's how we are able to to continue to provide all those other, you know, all, all the right services and amenities, right? So we, we make sure we give the reviews, we ask for the reviews. And, you know, 
Luckily, I don't have to beg or chase for it. And I think maybe because it's the price point, I'm, I'm with a customer base that kind of likes to do that. Yeah. And, and we just, we've been pretty lucky with our response. I, I love that personal touch that you do with right after they book, you're doing a video right to them and sending it just something short, sweet, but it also shows that like you put that personal touch to it. You took the time out of your day to do it. It's not everything is all automated and systemized like i know it is like that's your operating procedures but it's like it's also that physical personal touch you know saying their name and everything it probably eliminates any uncomfortableness and makes them feel just amazing to have somebody that they can count on to reach out to if needed and like i said i mean we've we've stayed in so many of these yeah you know what what i've learned is i know my my cancellation date when I get a full refund still. And between when I book and that date, I'm constantly looking, really like every couple of days I'm looking like, is there a better house at a better rate, right? Sure. So, and if I find it, I'll switch. And I've done that a couple of times. But yeah. by doing this, by creating that stickiness and giving them that real personal touch, I don't get canceled. Like I, I, I mean, unless something weird happens where you know we've had a couple canceled because their group went from fourteen people to six people or whatever, like whatever their unique yeah. circumstances. But we're not really losing guests. I mean that's the that's the stickiness of it. Are you are you capturing um, emails through? I forget. It's like stay Wi-Fi. Stay Wi-Fi is what it's called. Yeah. So we haven't yet, okay. and you know the the primary reason we haven't done stay Wi-Fi is my AV guy is doing a little research on it. We want to. StayFi, you know, for our listeners today, StayFi is, you know, when you go to a hotel room or a coffee shop, you know, when you say, yeah, click on the free Wi-Fi, but you have to put in your email address and your phone number and your name, StayFi allows us to gather all that data (laughs) from everybody that's coming in. So if you've got 12 people in the home, now not only do I have the the booking person's data, I have everybody's data. And so we, we were looking at... You know, there are some reviews out there that say StayFi does degrade the Wi-Fi experience a little bit, the strength of the signal. Mm. And when you're when you've got 12 guests in there and each one on average probably has two devices that they're linking up, plus you've got all your smart TVs, you know, at what point do you put too much stress on the infrastructure? Yeah. So we're looking at different ways that we can collect that data, but collecting that data is it's it's a high priority in terms oh, yeah. of for us. Yeah, especially, I mean, if you're having that many people in your homes, that, that's a lot of data you could capture and retarget. And, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, a lot of money to potentially capture over the long term. But, uh, um, dude, I love this. Where are you heading in the future? What's next? And what's up for 2023? Yeah, so, you know, we're, I just launched my mentorship program. It's not, I haven't launched it publicly yet, but I'll tell you, you know, I'll tell you about it. It's called the Airbnb Launchpad.com. Yeah. And so super excited about it. I haven't, I haven't actually, we have the URL, we haven't put it out, but you know, if you gave me a follow on Instagram at Fuad Bazzi underscore Airbnb, you'll see, you know, we can DM me, schedule some time with me, but the Airbnb launchpad, I want to pour in, man. I want to help people get out of the hamster wheel and help people take control of their own path. You know, I was lucky enough to do it and I want to, I want to help that. So that's vertical one. We're raising capital for our investments. That's vertical two. We want to get into some really experiential kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We want a couple of boutique hotels where we could have multiple guests, but also we could host a big family reunion or a wedding. So those are a couple of things that we're really looking at doing. I love that, man. That's super exciting. And in the exit that you have planned in the future, the end goal in mind, right? I'm a big believer in the experience, you know, especially in this space. It's crucial to be able to give that above and beyond experience to capture the new memories and something that you know, these families are going to talk about from years to come. And then they'll always come back and think like, hey, what about that home? Like, we got to go back and revisit. So I think yeah. that's that's pretty damn awesome. Well, Fuad, man, I appreciate you greatly. You are a wealth of knowledge. It's awesome to hear about your background, more about the family. You got three little ones, three, six and eight and a beautiful wife and just uh, incredible just goals in general, right? Like you're a wealth of knowledge. So I'm excited to see pouring into more people that are looking to get out of that hamster wheel, right? Like get out of the nine to five, if that's what they're called to do, right? And really be able to get into some true generational wealth. And that's what it can turn into over the long run. So I'm really excited for that. Dude, how can people get a hold of you? So Instagram is the best way for Adbazzi, F-O-U-A-D-Bazzi, B-A-Z-Z-I, underscore Airbnb, I'm working on a tag. I got I got to shorten that up and make that a little bit easier. 
but that's what it is today. If you click into my bio, I've got my link tree. Feel free, guys. I'm, I'm always glad to take 15 minutes. There's a 15-minute link where you can schedule me. I'm so glad to jump in one-on-one and create a path, whether that's through my mentorship, whether you want to invest with me, or whether I can just give you a few tips. I love, I love pouring into people. And, and, and actually, you know, real quickly, the reason I, I started the mentorship, not because I want to monetize, I'll tell you two things about it. One, I was giving all my time away for free because I just freaking want to help everybody I can. Yeah. Um, and two two impacts I've had it was taking away my ability to prioritize finding new properties. So I have to do that for my investors. But also two, I've learned free information is great. There's plenty of it out there, but people that only consume free education they don't capitalize on that. But when you actually take the time to invest in a mentorship. Man, you that, that lights a fire under your butt. And, yeah. and so those are my things. So hook up with me and I, I'd love to connect with people. Always. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, all the free stuff is out on YouTube, man. Like jump on YouTube, books, podcasts, like it's all free out there. If you really want to skip the free line and get some real like quick results, then you got to pay to pay attention. That's just what it comes down to. Anything free that I've got, even even just myself, like guilty of it. If I, I've got great friends of mine that have high level courses that they'll give to me absolutely free and I won't open it whatsoever because it was free. You know, yeah, it's no, like no accountability, right? Yeah. There's no accountability. So when you pay, you pay attention. And I think there's just big, there's so much truth behind it. So by all means, bro, I appreciate your time today. I'm excited and just and grateful for where your heart's at to be able to help and serve out more people and really the impact that you're making in the space. There's a lot of, you know, there's not a lot, but there, there's, there's people out there that are doing it incorrectly. And obviously, you're not one of them. You're doing it the right way and, and making it really something special for the guests. So that's cool. Um, guys, if you want to get a hold of me, you can always do so on Instagram. It's Brandon Elliott Investments. Otherwise, Facebook.com forward slash Brandon Elliott Investor. If you're looking to really get educated on credit, understanding how to flip the script on the banks and get as much funding as your your heart desires, three, four, 500,000 in new credit lines at 0% interest, doing that every six months for yourself, being able to travel hack, being able to purchase real estate with credit. Even if you are are stuck and you, you need to clean up some negative things from the past, don't worry, we got you. Check out creditcounselelite.com. That's www.creditcounselelite.com. We have about an hour long webinar that you are able to really see the full possibilities of credit, like really truly what you can do and how we can help and best serve you with the credit space, be able to hit all your goals and dreams. If money is an issue, don't allow it to be. The banks are in the space of giving out all the money in the world. It's just, you got to learn how the ins and outs to position yourself and be able to fit within their box of lending. Anyway, guys, check out www.creditcounselelite.com. We'll see you on the other side. Make sure you subscribe to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast and uh, leave that five-star review. Greatly appreciate all the love and support. As always, share this out. Wad, you are the man. You guys have a a blessed Christmas. Appreciate your time and uh, we'll talk soon. God bless. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.